Log Talk Radio. Log Talk. Hi, Justin. We're just starting. Hey, Greg. Sorry, I'm so late here. No problem. But I read everything you sent. Welcome, everyone. Welcome to the broadcast. I'm your host, Greg Masters, and we are coming to you today from Mill Valley, California, on Wednesday, August the 17th, 2011. On the broadcast, I'm delighted to chat with a fellow health tweep, Justin T. Barnes, who's vice president of Greenway Medical Technologies and also known on Twitter as at HIT Advisor. As a healthcare software executive and public policy expert, Justin Barnes manages Greenway's marketing, industry affairs, and government affairs departments. In addition, he's chairman emeritus of the HIMSS Electronic Record EHR Association, where he supports industry leadership and strategy issues, advocacy, and so forth. With an impressive resume, further detailing Justin's history, I invite you to visit Greenway Medical's website, www.greenwaymedical.com, for the complete story. Check on the leadership tab. You know, I think I've got this thing playing in the background. Albeit at a very low volume. Let me stop it. Okay. Not on my the host, I'm the engineer and everything else. So um anyway, welcome Justin. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. Glad you could make it. I'm very happy uh you're you're on the broadcast today. Um so once again Today's chat with Justin is a continuing installment in the power of the social medium known as Twitter. Justin and I have not met in person, though we came close at HIMSS in Orlando last February. Our paths have have crossed primarily as contributors to Twitter's prolific conversation centering on social media in healthcare, but more specifically, health information technology, primary care medical homes, accountable care, ACOs or health policy in ge- in general. So, Justin, before we get we begin, tell us a little bit about you, your primary interest uh, in accountable care, the health information technology industry, and perhaps some background information on Greenway Greenway Medical. Sure. Uh, thank you very much, Greg. And, and again, a pleasure to be here. My approach is probably a, a little bit different uh, than most people, just from a standpoint of uh, my goals are fairly large, and it really is to help create a smarter, more sustainable healthcare system, uh, and that's really what I get up uh, every single day to do, and, and I do that by whatever means necessary. And sometimes it's uh, working, you know, within a software company, trying to uh, enable ambulatory care at a higher level. Uh, supporting our customers uh, in just positions around the country and, and care providers to to run a more profitable business for themselves and to uh, to really again promote care at the highest levels, but then also it it uh, flows over into creating industry associations. I helped found the EHR association as you uh, mentioned, and I was the past chairman and now currently the chairman emeritus uh, again of the uh, HIMSS EHR association, and then also most recently started a community of practice around accountable care. 
and that really is a partnership between 16 global companies. Uh, I think we have almost a trillion dollars worth of companies in just 16 of us, and working in partnership with uh, CMS and ONC on a collaboration around coordinated care uh, and certainly accountable care, and even a little bit of payment reform. Uh, so uh, whatever needs to happen, I, I try to attack it and, uh, and try to, uh, to help out with the best of my abilities and, and relationships. And, uh, and Greenway specifically is a company that I work for. Uh, and again, they're a leader uh, in uh, electronic health record practice management, interoperability, and revenue cycle management. And they really help navigate uh, about 2,000 practices around the country through not just ambulatory care, but also the, those practice evolution in healthcare, which now is taking on a lot more care coordination and certainly uh, very soon accountable care across the country. Uh, and uh, so those are really my main focuses as a person and also our focus as a company. That's excellent. I, I hope we spend some time talking about two things that I read recently, and that is the um, the uh, community of practice, which you just mentioned, and also uh, the Atlanta um, uh, Health Forum, I believe, which you uh, recently yep. chaired. So here's what I thought, just to, to kick off our conversation today. Uh, I came across an article that was published uh, earlier this month in, um, in JAMA, the Journal of the American uh, Medical Association, by Sarah Singer and Stephen Shortell, titled, Implementing Accountable Care Organizations, 10 Potential Mistakes, and how to learn from them. I really like this. So let me read their opening and then their conclusion, and, and let's get your take on on the on on, the, on their issues. Um, to succeed, organizations contemplating participation in ACOs will need to develop and improve organizational capabilities necessary to meet program requirements. Hospitals and physician organizations will need to forge new relationships and take on new responsibilities. Success will require adaptation and change, learning quickly from mistakes, and developing an ability to transfer knowledge among participating entities. This will require ACOs to become learning organizations that can comprehend and expand what works and move to correct things that do not. And though they didn't say this, I would say promptly move to correct things that do not. And then they conclude with uh, the way forward. Uh, although strategies exist for addressing each of these potential mistakes, and they are enumerated in the article, which you can actually read at acowatch.com, um, although strategies exist for addressing each of these potential mistakes, such strategies are unlikely to be universally generalizable. Rather, solutions will need to be adapted to local contexts and experience. For this to occur, organizations need robust learning systems to help them avoid these potential mistakes, learn from those that occur as quickly as possible to take corrective action and anticipate future challenges. Two, key fact two factors will be key. The first is and this is really ambitious. The first is collective leadership by CMS, private payers, hospitals, physicians, and other health professionals to promote learning systems, some of what you're doing. The second is to develop is the development of a mature performance measurement system to provide rapid feedback about what works in different local environments. What is not measured cannot be managed, but what is measured must still be managed. 
management and measurement hold the keys to ACO success or failure. Now, that's a lot to chew on, but let me ask you whether you agree or not, and perhaps you want to consider unbundling some of these considerations. Do you have any thoughts? I actually uh, completely agree with the article, and it's, it's uh, fantastic. And I think it actually naturally leads into that forum that I put together uh, in June here in Atlanta and actually put another one together in June in D.C., and we have six more being put together under the, uh, the Accountable Care Community of Practice. So uh, to that end, I, and, and I think it's actually you can take these off in, in individual bites uh, and, and something that uh, I've been involved in just, you know, kind of from the beginning, and that's number one is educating practices and large entities, health systems, enterprise groups, in the use of technology and why it's important. It's not just about putting an electronic health record into your practice or your facility or your enterprise and expecting it's going to cure everything, but it's more of a philosophy of running an efficient business and using technology to enable you to do so. Uh, and we've really revolutionized every single industry in the world with technology, except for healthcare. And so it's a, it's a natural evolution, even long before accountable care, but everything needs to happen in steps. And so the very first step is if you're going to try to run right down the path of accountable care, but you're not a prolific and proficient healthcare IT user, it's going to be fairly impossible. No matter what someone tells you, there's no way, back to what this article was about, you can't capture the quality, you can't report the quality, you can't analyze the performance and the outcomes without the use of, of technology and the analyzation of that technology and what the data holds. So I think it's very important just to, to take this off in steps, but just because you haven't gone down the technology route doesn't mean that you're not part of this. It, it's certainly not too late. This is gonna be an evolution. Care coordination is an evolution, but back to what you said, you need to do this quicker rather than, than, than later. But, uh, but um, this is all, again, in steps. And then you move right into accountable care, which, um, you know, ACE, the term ACO, the acronym ACO, is kind of a, a full-letter word to some people, but it's, it's just the actuality. Nobody likes to talk about change. But if you look at uh, the, the federal deficit that we're running in healthcare overall, um, just, uh, you know, we're running... 35 to 40 billion dollar annual deficits just in our healthcare system, just in our payer system. So uh, it, it's a it's a fairly significant issue. Not many people want to tackle it. It's certainly not a popular political issue, um, but uh, but it's something that um, is adding to our national debt uh, at a very fast clip, and we've got to handle it. And there's a a few of us that really uh, want to get out in front of it to the best of our abilities. And so. Um, I can certainly uh, walk through, or you want to talk about any of these items uh, specifically, but starting off with the understanding and, and um, implementation of technology, and, and it's the right technology. It's not any technology. I spent a lot of time around the country uh, speaking about how to choose the right technology for your practice, your facility, for your workflow, and to achieve your goals. So you've got to see what your goals are, and then, you know, then that will help you pick what technology you need to implement. And when I say technology, it's beyond just electronic health record. But that's a central component. Um, but there's a lot of steps that have to happen. And, and people may say, well, I'm, supposed to be, I'm, practicing, I'm busy seeing patients and practicing medicine, not buying technology. Well, that was yesterday. The new world is you're going to have to think about bringing it all together because the future has it integrated. 
And you can see you can provide better care by using technology. You can be more efficient in the care that you give. You can offer safer care. More efficient, more cost-effective, uh, and in uh, much greater um, components there that lead to a smarter, more sustainable healthcare system. So uh, technology is an essential component to the care delivery system in the future and needs to come sooner rather than later because if we don't enable it and we don't encourage it, we're doing a very good job, there are going to be very draconian cuts coming to reimbursement rates. It's something, again, not popular to talk about, not politically uh, the, uh, the hot button that people want to throw out there. But, um, but there's no other way. We don't have access to any more money. We just can't print our way out of this. And you're talking significant money, you know, hundreds of billions of dollars over a couple of years now that we go in farther to debt uh, if we don't uh, figure this out. And, and also, it just kind of makes sense that we do manage quality for, uh, for our patients and for our healthcare systems. And we do it efficiently. So, uh, and, and again, technology uh, uh, significantly enables that. And then also back to what you said around management, you want to create the standards so we know what to capture, we know what to report, and that's something that, uh, you know, several of us have been the forefront of. Because if you don't, uh, if you don't manage it, it's truly not important, and you truly can't get out of it what you want. So you've got to help create these measurements. You've got to report them, and we've got to know what to report and to whom. And that's a lot of the stuff that we work on on a very regular basis uh, at the national level, uh, not just with uh, not just with the federal government, but also across all 50 states. And we really are trying to get the states more uh, in unison because you don't want to start reporting individual components to states such as immunization and public health, 50 different measures, measures, or even down to the county level. You can have hundreds of different reporting mechanisms, and that is just not good for this industry. It doesn't support interoperability. Uh, vendors can't do it uh, at that scale. So um, there's a lot of opportunity for us to, uh, to consolidate and come together, uh, and that's, again, where these associations come into play and why it's so important for us to all work together. Um, so I think there's a lot there. It's a huge topic, but, uh, but maybe we can dive in. I'll let you maybe walk me through some of the specific components that, uh, that we can uh, discuss over the next couple of minutes. Okay. Let's do that. <clears throat> let me first um, ask you uh, for your take on uh, the, they talked the two Two key factors that that they mentioned is the first is the collective leadership by CMS, private payers, hospitals, physicians, and other health professionals pr to promote learning systems, and the second, the development of a mature performance measurement system to provide rapid feedback about what works in different local environments. Where where are give us a sort of a a report card. Uh, on both of those, and do you think it's possible to have CMS, private payers, hospitals, physicians, and other health professionals work together collaboratively to promote these learning, these essential learning systems, which really is about pathways to integration, isn't it? Yes. Now, I agree, and, and I think um, I will give us uh, – I would probably give us a, a, a B right now, an effort, or maybe even an A in effort, because I, mean, I think there's a lot of people trying, and I think CMS is doing everything that they can. They have very lofty goals, uh, but um, uh, I certainly think that, um, you know, they've done what they can do. Uh, we as a private industry, the private payers are, you know, they're rolling out commercial ACO plans around the country in, in, in multiple different pockets. And so I know the private payers are trying to get their hands around it as well, just as CMS, and they're doing it you know, in alignment with CMS to an extent around the same time period, 
But everybody's looking at little bit different measures. But that goes back to what this article had said. It is down to the local level, and I completely agree with that. Uh, there will be some standardization across the country because the, the divergent costs of what uh, it takes uh, to insure somebody in the southeast over the northeast or even in the city of Atlanta versus the city of Miami or the city of Houston, there is no rhyme or reason. Uh, and there's certainly a, um, a transparency issue and there's a cost issue in healthcare, and we need to get our hands around that, and that's something that is underway. But um, I do believe that there is a good dying effort on the collective leadership, and it's exactly what that ACO forum in Atlanta was about. It was about bringing the community together, and that's why we're doing it around the country. It's really to bring these communities together, to engage these conversations, to hopefully enable local leaders to step up, and, uh, and beyond engage these conversations, educate everyone, engage the local leaders, but then also have those local leaders act as the next step, maybe as a conduit. They start an entity. They bring in some patient groups that are in the, in the community. But you really come together and you manage this as a community. And there's going to be people who manage it as a health institution. There's going to be large health systems that just say, we're just at our own ACO. And that's going to certainly happen, and that's perfectly fine. But there's also a, a spot out there in these communities or a position in these communities for other groups to come together that haven't worked together. Because we need that. Those, first of all, competition breeds excellence, but then also you want to offer diversity to a community. You want to offer options to a community. And so we really are trying to educate and enable these communities and also create leadership centers in these, in these communities. And, and again, something that I'm heavily in, involved in here in Atlanta is to, uh, is to really get them off the ground. There's lots of uh, community groups and, and physician leaders who have access to great resources, very brilliant people, great care providers, uh, and uh, it would be very good leaders of an ACO, or, cre or at least the found creating the foundation for an accountable care organization, or at least an accountable care strategy in Atlanta and beyond. So I, I think that we're trying. Uh, there's a lot of naysayers out there, but uh, this industry is very quickly going to be the have and the have nots. And I, and I promise you that this is the direction it's coming. There's people who are grasping it. There's people who are enabling it, and there's people who are leading it. They're probably going to be very well positioned for the way the future of this healthcare system is going. But the ones that are turning a blind eye, uh, thinking it's not going to happen, they've watched all these different trends. I promise you, you've never seen a trend of how far in debt we are as a country, how far we are in debt as a global society, and that we do not have a sustainable healthcare system any longer. Arguably, we haven't had a sustainable healthcare system in 10 years but finally coming to a head because we can't buy our way out of it like we have for the past seven years. So there's going to be some significant changes. And again, there's a large group, great leadership coming together to try to, uh, to look for that next step and that next stage and cross that chasm onto the next stage. But um, I do encourage people to begin these conversations in their communities because they don't want to be in the have-not group. And they very well could be. So now onto the second component, the development of uh, performance measurements, that's where we're certainly more immature. We certainly have pilot programs and, and uh, these accountable care organizations that have been formed. Uh, there's about nine that have some success, a variable amount of success around the country. We certainly try to glean as much from them, but you can only glean so much because, like you brought up initially, these are locally managed and, and what works up in northern um, uh, Pennsylvania very well may not work in, uh, 
in the southeast or, or on the west coast. I, I know that for a fact that those strategies don't work. So it is at the local level. So you want to take some basic measurements and some basic components and bring them into communities and then really flush it out with a bunch of leaders and experts in your community to see what best works. And you're gonna in your your um, commercial ACOs will help with that. They're asking for certain components of information uh, and they're learning, you know, and they're gonna be flexible. You know, they may not seem it initially, but they want to learn just like you do, and they want to get it right just like you do. And CMS is in the same boat. Uh, and, I, and I really do see this uh, rule that CMS is working on now. I know they're working heavily with the Pioneer ACOs and really making sure that they have what they need to be successful. Because, again, CMS wants this whole process and program to be successful uh, when it gets launched early next year, late this year. And, they, uh, uh, and I know they're working heavily uh, and closely with the Pioneer ACOs to understand, again, uh, what flexibility needs to be there, but what performance measures need to be there. So I don't think we know yet. I mean, maybe 20 30%, but it's something to engage the conversation, help lead the conversation from your expertise, if you have any, or just learn, and then be positioned for when these components get rolled out in your community, that you're on the front end, not the bleeding end, but certainly on the front end to, uh, to implement. Uh, and again, having technology in line, or at least technology in the deployment phases, and looking for the right technology to support your goals. The biggest thing is you can, you can understand where the future is going or try to, but at the end of the day, you need to understand what your goals are. And if you're attaining your goals alongside of a, a, using a commercial uh, ACO plan or, or a care coordination plan or whatever it is, you will do well. But you've got to make sure that you're achieving your goals because you're in this you know, to, to, to provide a living and you're in this to, to provide a, a healthy community. Justin, did I lose you? I hope you? that helped. Yeah, I'm sorry you broke up there for a moment. Um, yeah, I love what you said. Uh, completely agreed. Little surprised about the second assessment. Uh, I didn't hear a grade, but it sounded like it might be something less than a B. Um, <laughs> yes, it was left right, than a B on the second part. Right, less than a B. Less than a B. So um, uh, isn't it interesting that uh, when you talk about uh, ACO, you 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 think, or many automatically are drawn to. Well, all the blowback or pushback that CMS has received since they released the notice of proposed rulemaking. But when you talk accountable care, everyone was, yeah, right, that's right, no problem there. So um, maybe these learning systems uh, are running in a parallel track with these this continuing perhaps iterative process that CMS is undertaking in, in trying to get these rules out and, and, and then sort of the nuance changes for the Pioneer program and so forth to have some kind of purposeful activity in a sea change, in a dramatic sea change experience. Um, I think many are perhaps misreading the tea leaves here that everyone is uh, just uh, the major players are saying hell no we won't go but the truth is there's enormous movement forward and um, so I'm curious when when you get at the uh, at these gatherings how uh, whether they include um, um, community or, or physicians in clinical practice or or, or will these be mostly uh, entrepreneurial physicians who are tied to uh, you know, management companies or health information technology companies. Uh, do you have any thoughts there? An excellent, excellent question. And yes, because when when I was starting this accountable care forum in, in Atlanta here, that was the exact outset uh, 
was to find those community physicians, those three doctor uh, ENT groups, five doctor cardiology groups, six doctor you know internal medicine groups. It's really the smaller practice, those one doctor OBGYN groups, to get all of those community doctors into the room. I actually only allowed 10% of the room to be filled by hospitals or in larger entities who may pay consultants to come in and help them with their strategies. That was only a small sector of the room. We filled the room with over 70 practices that um, that had representation from the from really the 10 dock and below uh, practices in, in in the whole Metro Atlanta area, because that's that's the group that really is going to implement accountable care at the end of the day, and those are the ones that are usually the the, the last to join this the technology wave, and I was actually pleased. I want to say 40% of the room or so either has purchased implement has purchased health IT and, and using it successfully or they're they're well on their way. And it might have been closer to fifty percent. But it was it was a good it was a good swell. And there's a lot there's more support than I had thought because when the media when you read about all this media, they're always, you know, speaking negatively around the term ACO and it's not gonna work and how it's flawed out from the onset and all this stuff. And a lot of that is uh, if you see through it it's political posturing. It's, 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 it's some ways of people lobbying the federal government through a public means. So if you shoot enough cannons at it, maybe they'll, they'll come off uh, in, a, in a softer approach. Because people do the exact same thing to meaningful use. And they said, oh, it's going to fail. It's not going to work. If you look back and research two and a half years ago, three years ago, when we had the um, NPRM, the Interim Final Rule for Meaningful Use, you would have noticed a lot of just people are saying, it's, it's a failure right out front from the get-go. It doesn't work. It's not going to work. This can't do it. Well, I let a press release go last week that talks about how Greenway customers got over a million dollars so far in meaningful use funds. Checks that arrived at the practice, not they attested for it, but checks they've received, money that has been deposited in their accounts. The program works very well. And, and the same thing with accountable care. I'm not saying it, it, they're similar. Uh, they are from a policy standpoint, a policy creation standpoint, but uh, but the same political howitzers were, uh, were hurled at um, the accountable care rule, I don't think it's going to be as bad at the end of the day. But, uh, again, it, it doesn't really matter because the commercial ratios have already moved forward, and uh, and we've got to get these people engaged. And so in this forum in Atlanta, we actually had more positive notions than, uh, than again, I would have expected because of all this negativ negativity we read uh, when we pull up papers and, and blogs and all that. But the groups, they, they understood it. The people that came, the, the 100 that were in the room, understood that this is the future. They've been waiting for change. Some of them aren't real happy about it, but they said it's inevitable. It's had to happen. We, we, you know, we knew this was coming. We watched our reimbursement rates. You know, every year we're threatened with a cut, but we get uh, at least a a, um, a reprieve, and we're thankful for that. Uh, and we know those reprieves can't just continue on. We understand the state that the country is in. We understand that technology we need to start to use. Uh, and, and so there's a good understanding there and good education and great education. So, you know, my goal was, great, we got that uh, under our belt, but now let's get some leaders to step up, not just the large health systems, but let's get some individual practices. Uh, and that's what we're starting to do even in cities like Austin, um, in, uh, in, in, in uh, areas of New York, in San Francisco, uh, just in Chicago. But there's, there's, great, uh, there's some great leadership uh, beds out there where individual physicians are raising their heads and they're looking out across their community and understand what they need to do. And again, it's, uh, it's not just the large health systems and the large entities and the entrepreneurs. It's, hey, this is coming. 
We need to engage it, and we want to help lead it. They don't want to be on the receiving end. They want to be on the leading end. And so it's, that's encouraging. Yeah, that's encouraging to me because you would think you'd get that kind of reception in, in California and Massachusetts and some of the more mm-hmm. so-called risk-savvy areas um, you know, where they have a major integrated delivery system who's active in their market and forces more of the private medical community to be a little more aggressive around um, coordinating care, managed care, and so forth. But to hear it in Atlanta, it's, it's, Atlanta's not a bastion, per se, of of integration or managed health care, per se. So to hear that, I think I'm, I'm kind of encouraged. <laughs> yeah, no, good. So... Um, do you want to um it's interesting the the, the context on uh, meaningful use and in, of course in this case the high tech act preceded the uh patient the affordable care act which provided some interesting cover and even preceding that was the physician group practice demonstration project and i read today I think either four or five, first of all, they're extending the physician group practice demonstration project two years, and I believe four or five of the participating medical groups are going to split somewhere between $29 million between themselves in incentive money. So it's it's not like this is all for naught. Some of the early readings about PGP was, you know, it really didn't show much. It was kind of ho-hum, no real results. But truth be known is these groups are going to split significant dollars. And when you think about declining reimbursement, that's something to give some serious consideration to. I agree completely. And it's actually this, this success is certainly... Um you know, a, a pleasant uh, a pleasant item because again, the um, there was some concern over the last uh, demonstration projects is very limited. I think seventy eight million dollars was the total amount uh, that's quantifiable, uh, and we expected a lot more than that. But um, I think we're we're running in the right directions for sure. But thirty million dollars over four or five medical groups that that's some real change. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, do you want to? Talk at all about some of these uh, elements um, in this article, uh, um, and maybe tick through them. Perhaps comment to make a comment or two. Sure, and I think some of the important components here, really, uh, that I do like to focus on because the goal is uh, when you dive into accountable care very deeply, we lose you lose people pretty quickly. Unless they live and breathe in accountable care they you tend to lose them sometimes and so what i like to do is cuz cuz i would say 99% of physicians and care providers in america have no idea what accountable care really even means so i kind of like to keep everything um digestible for them and so i think there's some components in here that everybody can can take they can take back and and begin to uh, to learn so i think number 1 is really looking for and, and i mentioned this before but it is critically important because there's a lot of failed deployments out there. One-third, and this is a good step for everybody to understand, this is, uh, will help you walking into the whole use of technology in your practice or hospital. One-third of deployments, in the ambulatory setting at least, get replaced. They're failures. So just think of the average system could cost, you know, fifty to $100,000 to $150,000, and then one-third of those get shelved after one year. And that's just a scary stack because none of us, that I, no one that I'm aware of, will go buy a $100,000 car and then not drive it and not do anything with it after one year. None of us can afford to do that. But this is happening. 
you know, on a very regular basis in the industry because the wrong systems are being purchased. People are a little bit in a rush or don't want to take the time to look for the right system, and they want to blame everybody in the world. But if I bought the wrong car for my needs, you know, if if if, if I have three children and then decide to go buy a, a two two seater sports car to drive them to school, and then I realize at the end of the day, listen, this car didn't work. Do I blame the car? No, I just bought the wrong car for what my use is going to be. And that's why understanding what your plan is and what you want to get out of your electronic health record or get out of your health IT is critically important to understand that plan and that vision for your facility long before you go buy uh, any type of technology because you could be throwing away hundreds of thousands of dollars if you don't buy the right one. There is no electronic health record uh, and no health IT that is right for every single facility, practice, hospital in America. And so it's very important that you find the right one that supports your workflow. Uh, and, you know, the biggest uh, bellwether test that I offer to, uh, different, to, to my groups and audiences, certainly on an EHR, if you're looking for, if you're a five-doctor cardiology group, to look for references, A, in your specialty that have a similar workflow, and when a company gives you a list of references, Make sure that greater than 80% of those care providers in those practices use the EHR. So you can't have one super user and then say, oh, it works great for our practice. No, it works great for one person, but what about the four other doctors in that or five other doctors in the, or care providers in that practice? They, if they, none of them use it, that's not, that should not be a referenceable uh, account for you to call into. So say if they have 10 doctors or, or 10 care providers, you want – eight of those care providers deployed in the EHR using it on a regular basis. If they're in the same specialty, and so in this case they're in cardiology, and eight of the ten care providers in that practice use the EHR on a regular on a daily basis, then you probably got a pretty good EHR there. Same thing with OBGYN or general surgery, ENT or orthopedics or family practice. You want to make sure that greater than 80% of the care providers on that reference list use the EHR on a regular on a daily basis. And that's a, that helps you because the EHR is where a lot of this information is going to be collected, and then you're going to share that data with, a, with either the centralized repository that you have within your facility or entity, and you've got to glean the analytics. But you've got to capture all this data and report all this data. That's all going to come in and out of the electronic health records. So it is a critical centerpiece uh, that will offer you great success or great failure. Um, but then also, again, making sure there's somebody, and this is where, our, again, our, our industry is shifting. Uh, you do need to have somebody who's kind of dedicated to these types of health IT components, interoperability, performance metrics, outcomes reporting. And it may not be the doctor, but there's going to be, and this is where the accountable care group and some of the leadership can come together, and this is what I fostered here in Atlanta, and certainly it's starting to occur, is there's, there's people who are helping four or five practices come together or 10 practices come together. And then, because one practice doesn't need an accountable care person all to themselves, but what they do have is they have an accountable care kind of expert who's helping mentor these 10 groups. And hopefully these 10 groups will enter into an operating agreement and a legal agreement to run an accountable care organization. They start, they're waiting to see what this uh, uh, the CMS to, uh, um, final rule is around accountable care and shared savings, but they're probably going to come together. But they've already all helped create a, by, uh, hire a consultant to walk them through some of this. Again, so they can stay focused on practicing medicine. They can strategize with this person, um, you know, during their, uh, their off hours, and they can really keep an eye on where the future is going. And this helps them make sure that they're capturing the data that they need to capture, or at least moving in that direction. 
They're looking at these performance metrics. You can look at what the National Quality Forum in QF is already doing because we know this is the direction, this is where meaningful use is, and this is the direction where accountable care is going. These are the, these are the quality metrics that are going to be needed for accountable care. So you can, there's an easy roadmap here, and your technology company, you know, such like a Greenway, they can easily help you with a lot of this. And you need to hold your vendors accountable to this. You need to make sure your, your vendors uh, and your suppliers are going to support you in this journey, and that they're very well up to speed on where this industry is going, and that they're enabling and positioning you for great success and creating these forums around the country. Because it's very important for these people to come together and discuss, again, a three-doctor group is going to heck of a time biting off accountable care. And they, they, they really, to be honest, can't form an ACO themselves. But they can come together with other community leaders and other practices to fill out that broad spectrum of care that needs to be provided. Uh, and then they can have some staff and legal help and, and, uh, and consulting help. They can share those costs among 10 to 12 other practices or people and should be very well positioned. Or at least it's still inexpensive even to explore. And then you may, you know, get the rules and say, you know what, we're not going to participate with, a, with um, Medicare in this component, but these commercial carriers, we are. And you've got the expertise and you're sharing that expense. So there are certainly successful directions for people to go. And this is, what this, this is really what this um, article is about. The article kind of went through some of the real difficult components, but I think with the right support, uh, people can easily walk through uh, and get to the next step. So I don't want to scare people. The artic this article, if you share this article with a common um, uh, physician out there or care provider, they may not be too enthused <laughs> to walk down the accountable care, uh, right, but, care, care, care coordination right. route. But Absolutely. But this is, the to me, this is the heart of the matter. I mean, they did, they did a great job unbundling this, and this goes right on one point to what you were saying, and, and that's uh, pitfall number two is overestimation of the ability to use Electronic health records implementation yeah. will be more challenging than most believe. Despite financial support offered by CMS and others, most clinicians are inadequately trained and supported. They will hinder the ability to report on the cost and quality metrics required for ACOs, and even with adequate support, implementation of EHR can disrupt practice for six months or more. I mean, I've, I've heard those horror stories. You know, uh, but let let me ask let me ask you this: Have you seen uh, this idea of aggregating um, or in, uh, getting individual physician offices to come together? Is that sort of breathing life into some of these dormant IPAs that that have been out there who are now looking at maybe serving as this virtual connected uh, physician network through through a common EHR? Are you seeing that? Slowly, we're kind of seeing everything. So we are seeing um, a, a series of uh, practices in, in small communities, that them uh, having conversations. Uh, we are seeing some IPAs start to now get a new breath on life and, and bringing these groups together and, and looking how can they tackle accountable care together. We are seeing, obviously, these large health systems using accountable care as a new tool to, to better manage the community uh, and better market themselves and to attract physician groups into their, uh, into their world, uh, into their community. Um, we're obviously watching hospitals buy up practices and strategic-type uh, alliances in communities, so really kind of seeing the, uh, the entire chasm. I do want to go back, though, to uh, the underestimation of health IT, and that's why I spent uh, you know, a majority of even this time kind of detailing out how to pick the right 
um, component in EHRs and health IT, uh, and then also what to really stay away from because it shouldn't take six months for practice. Now, that those stories are certainly out there, but um, it shouldn't take six months to get up in the EHR. If it takes that long, then there is a problem uh, with either the EHR or with the training or, and it's not necessarily the vendor's fault, the focus. There's enough blame to go around here, but we don't need to blame anybody. We need to look for solutions. But the, the vendors need to be producing the most usable products, most highly functional, highly flexible, yet still will promote best practices. If you have too much flexibility in the system, then you don't get best practices. You can't even um, get physicians to capture the same the data that you need to capture. So there's a balance there on flexibility and best practices. Um, but then also, you've got to have the practice say, you know what? We're going to take this implementation very seriously. This is not just for one or two young doctors to go off and then all of us eight care providers will just learn later on if those two super docs go through it. That's not what this is all about. This is about everybody taking it very seriously. There shouldn't be a six-month disruption. There's a, there's a significant problem with your implementation in some component if it takes six months to see the normal load of patients. There is no reason why the standard practice who has been set up properly, uh, shouldn't. they may take a small dip for the first couple of weeks just to make sure that you don't overload, you don't have patients waiting in your, in your room. But I have, a, I have dozens and dozens of practices that didn't slow down for a day. They didn't need to. So there's a, there's a, there's a balance there. Uh, and, and so, again, six months is way too long. None of us can take a six-month dip in revenue and expect to succeed uh, or expect to make it up in the back end. Maybe one to two weeks you might slow up. Uh, but anything longer than that, you need to look at what the heck went wrong um, and, and hold your vendor accountable and or your practice deployment team accountable to that. Now, is there an objective independent third-party source who might be a starting point for some of these practices as they, they look at their EHR options? Well, I mean, there's there's groups like the COCA group out there who certainly do a good job. And um, I've been, uh, there's some, you know, even Dell has been somewhat objective out there. And, I mean, it's hard to find someone who's truly objective because usually they're aligned, but they're objective in, in their own way, but they're aligned with leaders. And that's completely understandable uh, because you, you, can't go to a, you can't go to a practice with 75 different products or, or 410 products uh, like we have certified today and say, all right, let's just pick one. There are, there's a handful. There may be 400-plus certified products, but arguably there's you know, 40 or less true leaders in this industry who, who uh, can really implement what needs to be implemented and keep up with the pace of change and evolution that's happening uh, in healthcare right now. And will these be primarily considered client-server solutions, or are we looking more at the uh, web or SaaS type of providers? That's a great question, and I think you're going to see all of that. There's not one answer to that. You're going to see uh, client-server certainly has a place depending upon scale of deployments, but there's no reason why. I mean, there's some cloud deployments going on right now that have um, 20,000 providers on them or, or that are going up on them. I mean, there's some large deployments uh, happening in, in very innovative technologies, but uh, it really, what can your infrastructure support? If you're in rural America and you don't have a very large pipe, uh, no matter what somebody tries to tell you, you're not going to get those sub-second response times that you need to have a system react the way that you need it to react, seeing patients at the point of care. So you've got to have the technology infrastructure, and even if you have a large enough pipe, you've got to have the right technology and infrastructure in your practice 
to support if you really want to go any of those routes, but certainly the SaaS or cloud type offering or ASP type offering. Uh, those You just got to have a lot of things clicking perfectly if you're not going to host the server on site. Uh, and that's applicable to lots of parts of the country, but it's not applicable to a lot of the part of the country. I mean, there's over $7 billion in the, uh, in the stimulus uh, package to connect rural America. And that money's still going out, and those, those networks are still being built. But, uh, uh, you know, uh, we still have a long way to go. And so I don't want just to, you know, say, oh, SAS is certainly the future. I think it is the future over time, but it's going to take us time to get there. Well, I, I think we just scratched the surface here, Justin. I wish we had more time, but it looks like we're going to have to wind down. Now, that was an excellent point. I assume you're in the business of providing this assessment and planning services at Greenway, correct? We are, most certainly. And how would they reach you? Uh, they can easily just check out greenwaymedical.com or email me directly at justin at greenwaymedical.com, and I'd be more than willing to help them seriously as objectively as possible as well. Okay, Justin, well, I want to thank you. We do this weekly, Wednesdays, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Please join us next week for another installment of ACO Watch, a midweek review. This is Greg Masters, and thanks for listening. Thanks, Greg. Justin, are you still there?
but that was when I ruled the world. 